0: The following program is rated M-A-L. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hodge Shield. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall in turn four. Lap one for Sheldon Hodge Shield. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! 10 0 2nd zero. lap time for Dave.
1: what is going on everybody how would you like that new intro to quick time the podcast we are back together the gang's all here uh brian brandon and i and i are at the ib brewing factory while jason north is zooming his way through another one over at uh last time i believe he was at uh looks like charlotte motor speedway so uh things have cleared
2: up a little bit uh guys how was your week what's going on um it was a good week uh nice relaxing weekend got some yard work done kind of hung around the house and relaxed and uh I watched a little bit of flow racing and watched some midgets and non-wing sprint cars.
3: Yeah, I uh, did about the same thing. Watched a little bit of football. Watched, uh, got some stuff done around the house and uh, caught a little bit of racing on TV. And uh, other than that, uh, not much. Uh, like uh, like Brad said, it was pretty laid back. And uh, given the past few weeks, that's that's fine with me.
1: Yeah, definitely, Brad. You brought up Flow Racing a little bit. They uh, they dropped a bomb on us this uh, this week, and they are hosting and streaming the Chili Bowl and the uh, Tulsa Shootout. So uh, that's pretty awesome. That you know the guys with the your your one hundred and fifty dollars subscription of Flow Racing, you are going to get um, all the nights of the Chili Bowl, with the exception of Saturday nights. A main that's still going to be uh, shown exclusively on Map TV. Map so. TV, but you know the prelim nights you know you still get you still get a hell of a broadcast with the chili bowl
2: yeah i was kind of surprised because racing boys has always done that and i guess they're still going to be partially responsible for production and so forth but uh yeah i was kind of surprised to see uh uh them i don't know what all happened but uh flow racing taking over the chili bowl i bet you it'll be a record mm, numbers Flo racing with taking the, over a lot of racing. yeah There'll be record numbers on flow this year with uh, the, the limited number of fans and so forth. So there'll be people all over the world watching this race because they can't get in, in, inside and watch it live. Now the question is, is the brew house going to be open for a chili bowl party? I usually have a track meet that day, but I usually get home about six. So <laughs> pending COVID vaccines, uh, we, we may have, be, be doing that.
1: Yeah, definitely, Jason. Uh, you know, you mentioned that. You know, you caught a little football. Um, how are your Jets doing? Because our Steelers are nine and zero, baby. Baby.
3: I, I gave up on the. <laughs> I gave up on the Jets a long time ago. That that's an absolute uh, crap show. So no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, big guest today. One and the then night. and then the worst thing was I started glomming on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now go ahead. No, sorry, sorry.
3: It's all right. the Zoom's We're not here for football in. talk. Yeah, the Zoom's <laughs> cutting in and a lo-
1: in and out a little bit here, but that's all right. We'll we'll get through it. So uh big guest this week, uh some guy I'm I'm pretty nervous to actually talk to. I'm I'm not nervous to talk to a lot of the drivers, but uh we're gonna be joined by Brad Doty tonight. So he's gonna talk about the uh the Brad Doty classic a little bit and the uh, republication reprint of his uh book by Dave Argenbright, uh still wide open. So that's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, he's uh he's one of those drivers that uh, everybody liked and um cheered for. He, he, back in the day, driving with the Bowers Cole number 28D, uh, he was one of those drivers that had to work on the car as well. And, and uh, he, he worked hard to get to where he was. And uh, towards the end of his driving career, he got into that um, Coors Light car and things were on the up and up until his injury. But man, everybody loved Brad Doty. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about his book that he has. And that book is, uh, is a, a good read.
3: Yeah, I Brad was always one of those guys at uh, Eagle that when he, when the Allis show up, I had to get a Brad Doty T shirt. You know, especially some of those ones where he's uh, with the marks of Kepler car. They were just they were just T shirts. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to have Brad on.
1: Yeah, definitely. You guys, you guys know him from his just driving days and whatnot. But me being the uh, the young pup to the sprint car world now, I know him from uh, his time in the TV booth. So that's pretty cool that we're going to have a little bit of a a mixed ride of how we all know him.
2: Yeah. I remember the first day I met him, I, um, I was a young little boy. I don't even know how old I was, 10 maybe. Uh, the Outlaws were at uh, Omaha at Sunset Speedway, and I thought it was so cool that his name was the same as my name, and so I just walked into the trailer like I owned the place and started talking to him, and he was so nice and polite and been a fan of his ever since. And, yes, you're going to hear that story again when he gets on, the, on <laughs> <Definitely>. that show. <laughs>
3: Yeah, when we had, you know, we were doing TV shows, uh, TV broadcasts, Eagle for the Outlaws, he was always, um, you know, part of the booth, part of the team. Absolutely one of the nicest people of that entire crew. I mean, always smiling, good, good natured. Uh, I loved seeing him there. Talk with anybody. Uh, A lot of fun. I'm glad to have Brad on.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Brad, you mentioned that you caught some of the uh, the midget racing and uh, wingless racing out in, Zero in Arizona. Do you have the uh, winners from those races by any chance?
2: Um, I can get them really quick I,
1: I didn't I didn't catch any of it, but it, I I know the uh, what was it the Western World is what they were calling yeah. it.
2: Um, Justin Grant and Tanner Thorson got the first night. Courtney and. I'll have to do a Google search really quick. Yeah.
1: No surprise. Yeah. I, I, Kofo- Kofo- I, yeah Kofo- Kofo- was yeah, yeah. No surprise by any of those names. Uh, you know, all those guys are top guys running up front. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was good racing uh, down there in Arizona and the track was in good shape. Uh, um, I didn't stay up for Saturday nights. Uh, I didn't get to see the a features. I was just, you know, old, lazy old man. and I just went to bed, but, uh, the heat races and the, and I got to watch the bees were really good. And man, those midgets, they, they dice and slide each other. And there is not a fear in the world on those guys. And I don't know how they do it, but it's a slide job every corner. And and it just is so impressive that they do that. And and people talk about how rough some of these drivers are and so forth, but, uh, man, it's fun to, as a fan, it's fun to watch them.
1: Yeah, definitely. I said it. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Midgets are, are by far my favorite kind of car to watch and photograph. So, they, they anytime, anytime they're in the area or within, you know, hell, even an eight hour drive, I'll try to get down there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I was always excited for the uh, Jefferson County show, and I wish we'd have more midgets up here for sure.
1: Yeah, and I believe that was the only race in the states is, is was out there. I think California might have um, a couple of local shows, but as far as the top top dog guys, I think that was it.
3: I think... Was there one at BAPS?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I know BAPS had one. I saw uh, Shane Stewart yeah. make his first laps out there, and
2: there was uh, one hell Freddy of a... Freddie Raymer, I think, won it, at BAPS. Yeah,
1: there was one hell of a flip. That video's been going around on on uh, Facebook and the YouTubes here.
2: Oh, yeah, how the fence caught in. Oh,
1: yeah, that yeah. was crazy. Whew. Glad to see everybody is okay. Oh, yeah. then R- in
2: Ricky Stenhouse Jr. swept the weekend in USCS racing down there, and... Uh, um, Mississippi, maybe. Uh, Stenhouse Jr. won both of them uh, in, in his own NOS uh, 17 junior car. Nice, nice. And J.J. Hick- Hickle won the California race in uh, Colorado Speedway. So that's that's all the racing that there was. So there was <laughs> not, quite a bit of racing. Whole, yeah. if, if you were on flow, you could have probably got most of those races in. But uh, like I said, I was tired old man on the weekend, and I just went to bed about 9.30 and – Slept like a teddy bear, but yeah, there was some good racing on flow, and I don't even know what the schedule looks like this weekend.
1: No clue, because it's all dwindling mm-hmm. down. So
3: Yeah, and yeah. start shifting to Australia.
1: Yep, and with that, I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we jump on back on the other side, we're going to be joined by Brad Doty. So everybody hang tight, and we'll be right back. All right guys it's my pleasure to introduce the uh 2001 not uh national sprint car hall of fame inductee uh somebody here on the show is calling the godfather of twitter for sprint car racing uh we're joined by brad Doty. brad man how's it going on uh, on a tuesday night back there in ohio
4: uh it's a little cold it's in the 30s today and it's uh supposed to back to 60 by friday which is uh you know a little warm for this time of year but i'm not ready for 30s either so uh I'm not sure what that means, the godfather of Twitter for sprint car racing. I thought, is that a good thing or not? <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: this this is Brad Brown. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of just decided to call you that just about 15 minutes ago because it seems like on Twitter uh, you're kind of like an unofficial spokesperson for sprint car racing. If anybody has a question or – about the cars, uh, format or anything like that. It seems like they always tweet you and, and you seem to have a good, always a good, honest answer that, um, sometimes they don't believe you for some reason, but, uh, it just, they, they always seem to go to you to find answers for formats and fuel cell sizes and wings and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of why I, I called you the godfather of sp- Twitter sprint car racing.
4: Okay. Well, that, yeah, I don't know all the answers, but I, you know, I try to get all of the right people that, that do, I guess. If people ask me, you know, point blank about something that if I don't know, I'll try to find out because, uh, you know, I try to definitely stay up for my job as an analyst. I try to stay up with things.
2: Right. Right. How, I know you and uh, the Hodenschilds are, are good friends. Um, Do you, do you get to go over there and see Jack very often, or he come over to your house or you guys talk uh, by phone most of the time? Uh, How do, how do you guys, I guess, stay in touch right now?
4: Man, it's really weird. Um, Even before COVID, you know, we, we didn't see each other very much only at at the racetrack. It seems like Um, when we're home, we're busy and he's busy at the shop and he doesn't come my way very often. Um, Kenny Jacobs will go by my house a lot, but he's, I always teasing me. So he's wide open still. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. you know, always too busy to stop. But, uh, he lives in a direction that I never go. Jack, I live in a direction that Jack never goes, but I go do, do go by Jack's. But the same thing, I'll sometimes swing in and just say hi. And, and, uh, you know, I'm usually running after parts or something and feel like I need to get back and I'm working on a car or something. And, but, um, yeah, even Sheldon, he, he built a, big, beautiful shop with an apartment upstairs, and he can pull the full rig in. He can pull his motorhome and T-shirt trailer in, and he's actually closer to me than Jack is, and and I've been to his shop, to Sheldon's shop, twice, and it's been over a month probably uh, since I've been there, and uh, Jack and Sheldon both used to, come. I've got aluminum, or well, TIG welder, and I do some aluminum welding, and, and I used to weld on their seats quite a bit, and uh, um, had some trouble with my welder, and Jack got a little better at welding. So I think they're patching up their own teeth even now. So I, I do not <laughs> get a chance to see him to do that.
2: Man, I tell you, Sheldon's uh, man cave is pretty impressive. I think uh, most uh, most men would uh, love to have something like that. Wives, not so he's much. But his,
4: <laughs> yeah, you talking about his trophy or his uh, helmet wall? And yeah, and, yeah, that's in his shop. That's inside his part of the on a wall in his shop. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's building a, his sprint car shop, you know, rivals a NASCAR shop almost. I mean, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, except, uh, you know, apartments three, I think four, three or four, par- uh, um uh, rooms upstairs, um, and, uh, just, you know, heated floors and it's just really fantastic. <laughs>
1: Wow, impressive! That puts your uh, your uh, your brewery here, Brad, um, to shame. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't need anything fancy to sit in a garage and drink a beer and watch some football on the TV. So, that's, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I do need That's to start true. a. I do need to start a helmet collection though. That's. I got my dad's old helmet. My dad, when I was about uh, five or six, he drove locally around uh, middle of Nebraska in what they called modifieds, which were basically carbonated sprint cars way back then. But uh, um, yep. I still yeah. got his helmet in, in a Speedway Motors carrying bag and it's sitting right over here against the wall i just i need to get it out so i put it on display because it's uh it's a relic uh for sure the the inside uh, styrofoam is starting to flake off and stuff like that so um uh, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool so yeah yeah so um i got a question for you brad I, i'm going jumping right into the promoter uh, aspect uh you promote the Dodi classic um it, last year was like it was at attica correct Yep. Okay. Yep. None of that, You, you, in a pro promoter's helmet or a hat, um, I was just curious, is there an ideal number of cars you would like to show up that, uh, pleases both the fans and you as a promoter? I mean, promoters are in it to make a little bit of money. And is there, at what point are there too many sprint cars for a race or too few cars to, to put on a good race for the fans?
4: Well, that's tough. I mean, too few is, if, if you can't, you know, fill a, a full 24 car, a main. Um, I obviously that's too few and that, that happens in certain parts of the country where the four, you know, there aren't very many 410s. You hate to see that happen, but you know, it, like I tell people over and over and over, you know, it back when I started racing, um, now obviously a long time ago, you had winged or non-winged sprint cars. You didn't have. 410, 360, 305, Econo Sprint or whatever, you know, all the, <laughs> all the different, but you had a, you had a, a wing sprint car and on wing sprint car. So, so say we'd show up in, in Montana and have 30 or 35 cars. Well, you know, maybe 20 of them were the equivalent of a 305 up today, you know, or even a 360, you know, they were local cars, but we didn't really, you know, I guess discriminate against it just as long as you could bolt a wing on it, you could go racing. <laughs> and so, so now that people kind of freak out when they, you know, they go places and there aren't enough quote 410 sprint cars. And, and now that when, when, uh, some of the 360 cars know that a field's going to be weak, obviously they can show up and got a good chance of making the main event and, and, and good starting money. But, but you see my point, I guess, is if, if we lumped all the sprint cars you know, wing sprint cars around the country together, there would be more than enough to fill a field almost anywhere. Now, too many, we've had, uh, I'm proud to say we, we set the record for the, uh, uh one day, a single Board of Outlaws one day show car count at Attica. Uh, one year we had 60, the next year we had 59. Jeez. And, but we had no support class and I, I, I refused or don't want to run a support class. We run on a, t- a Tuesday night, you know, being a weeknight and a work night. We try to get everything done and get out of there early. So, right. but even but with sixty cars, I mean, it, obviously, it takes a while to time trial those, and 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 if they mm-hmm. tearing things up and it, delaying that. it can make it can be it for a long night. But you know, 40, 40 plus um, gives you you know forty five cars is a good roundabout number, I guess, because you know it gives you. Uh, know a good a good b main and and possibly a c main i guess um i'd have to break it down but right um you know it, 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 to me that's you know if you can if you can average 40 cars you know at a 410 sprint car race you're you're good i mean as a promoter you can run a good efficient show and and even if like i said if it's a single uh class and you're just run the like for us the world of outlaws it's just the world of outlaws and and um You know, 40 cars, you can, if you start on time and everything goes right, you can be done by, you know, 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, and people can still go to the pits and mingle and and do what they want to and hang out if they want to or or get home in a decent hour.
2: You talked about low car counts. That's kind of what we're suffering with here in uh, Nebraska. We... We don't have a lot of 360s, and more times than not, when the, the the local 360 group shows up at I-80 Speedway, we'll have 15, 18 cars, and so it's it makes for a a short night for us sprint car fans because they usually have five support classes of late models and hobbies and tuners and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at in Nebraska. And right now our, the director of our 360 series, uh, retired. And so we're, we're kind of on life support here with sprint car racing in Nebraska, at least three, oh. three sixties. So, uh, and we have maybe two or three, four tens in the whole state. So that's not really a factor. They go to Knoxville and race and that's about all they get. But, uh, we got about 40 305s that go out to Eagle, but, uh, I'm just not a 305 fan and uh, someday I'll probably have to be, but not right now. And so I don't know where I'm yeah. going to get my racing fix next year.
4: Yeah. And no, will see there, you know, just like that, you know, the um, you know, 305, um, it is a great class for beginners and, 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 and people that can't afford anything else. And, and like you said, you know, you get, if you get 40 of those, I mean, my gosh, that, you know, that's, that's a big field of cars and. And realistically the, the 360s of today are putting out as much horsepower as my 410 did when I got hurt in 1988, you know, wow. so, mm-hmm. you know, the 305s are, are, yeah, they're definitely a lot slower compared to 410 and even a 360, but, um, you know, it, and it's it, just what you were saying. I, it, you know, I don't know if you look down because, or you think, well, they're, they're, they're not as fast or it's a limited class because it's quote 305 and, when you start labeling things, I guess is, is the issue that I have too, you know, that, yeah. that, but, but we can't, not everybody can afford a 410. And so you got to have, uh, somewhere for people to start. And, and to at least there's still print cars, I guess, in Nebraska, because you kind of shocked me when you said that, because I can remember when Lincoln and you know, heard the stories of, you know, the, the, you know, the Maxwell's and all that, you know, the, oh, yeah. the Speedway yeah. motors and, all the racing uh, even a little bit before my time that was hot and heavy and around Lincoln, you know, and and, uh, that area that just, uh, just phenomenal stories and and, and drivers that came out of there.
2: Yeah. I I don't look down on the 305s because I like, I agree with you. uh, You got to have a place and if you can't afford a 360 or 410, there's nothing wrong with going to the 305s. I just, I don't enjoy them as much as the 360s and the 410s because of the speed. And it seems yeah. like if they get crossed up a little bit in the corner, it takes them a lap or two to get their momentum back up, and they'll lose five or six spots instead of maybe one or two. And so that's why I don't really care for them. I mean, when my dad raced, they were 302s, and so I loved them back then. <laughs> but but uh, now, <laughs> yeah. now I know what 40, 410s are and 360s. Uh, I, don't, I don't say anything negative about 305s because uh, – hell, if I was going to start racing today, it'd probably be a 305 just because it's 15 miles away from my house and stuff, but uh, they're just yep, not my yep. cup of tea right now, and I, I know there's going to be a time where they're going to have to be, and, and I'll, I'll welcome them, and just like I never used to like beer, and all of a sudden I like beer, so you just acquire a taste for it, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> well, you know, another comparison is is, is drag racing, you know, I uh, am um, I really enjoy the, the top fuel and the funny cars, but I don't have a lot of interest in the other classes, and, you know, I, I'm kind of I say I don't want to say I'm ashamed to admit that, but, you know, I can understand what you're saying about the 305, you know, after you've seen the top fuel and the funny cars, the rest is kind of, you know, it's it's not the same, I guess.
2: Right. Right.
4: Yeah.
3: What's been one of the biggest challenges um, as a promoter now, maybe, maybe in things, you know, where you experience things different, but um, what's been, you know, what's one of the challenges that you have now in promoting races and, you know, with all the, you know, the wide range entertainment and all those other options. um, What are those things that you do now that maybe you wouldn't think about have had to do, you know, 10 years ago or something like that?
4: You mean during this time of COVID or just prior to, you know, (laughs) prior prior to to that? Yeah.
3: This, this year threw everything off.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you always, obviously always fighting for the entertainment dollar. And I, I just, I write a, you probably know a uh, column for Sprint Car Midget mm-hmm. Magazine, and, and, I, and I talked about that in my late, I think my latest column, um, uh, they all kind of run together, but, you know, the crowds that were tracks could run and could, could get fans, and, and, I mean, some of them set records, and, and I think a lot of it, um, you know, the restaurants and movie theaters and bars shut down, people were, you know, wanting entertained. And they had money in their pocket, some of them, uh, that's still working and between the stimulus. And, and so I think, uh, it, in, a, in one hand, it kind of helped, uh, racing. So, you know, that's a long way around of answering your question, but, you know, we're, as a promoter, you're always fighting for that entertainment dollar. And, and, uh, you know, that's why, um, the biggest thing is, as I again said earlier, you know, our, our race is a, a one division because I'd rather, get in and get out you know get the people in and, and have a shorter shorter night and and let them get home um keep them entertained keep them wanting more you know so to speak and and uh, uh only the diehards will sit for five or six seven hours you know and and uh especially if it's hot or dusty and and uh you know so we're always up against that too so um you know, i guess the biggest the biggest challenge is just getting the word out you know and advertising to those that, I mean, we, we, we've tried all kinds of advertising and you never know for sure what works. And, uh, um, you know, this past year with, with the COVID thing uh, for our race, we really didn't advertise at all. Um, because we didn't know till two, about two weeks prior, whether, you know, we were going to be able to run, what the limit on fans were going to be. And, uh, uh, you know, we were limited on ticket sales, but we weren't limited on pit passes, and so, you know, the people came out on a very short notice and really supported the event. So, you know, it makes us kind of question, you know, do we need to advertise um, as much? And and but, you know, we thought we were, we're reaching. Um, for instance, I live I live near Worcester, and it's hour and twenty minutes southeast of of Attica, and you know, we've ran ads on some of the local radio here in Worcester, but I, I still run into people that, you know, from right here in Worcester that didn't even know that I promoted a race right up at Attica kind of thing. And that's that's frustrating, you know, uh, as a promoter trying to mm-hmm. to get the word out. So then we're, we're kind of up against that too, trying to figure out how to let everybody know, you know, what's going on and where it's at.
1: Yeah, you brought up a couple of things, but one thing I want to kind of jump in on. Have you started your long-term weather forecast for this year's race yet? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not quite yet. No. no. Uh, and, and that's another thing, ironically, um, the past, prior to this year, the past three to four years, we've had horrible weather forecasts. you know, raining all around us. I mean, flooded roads and power lines down and, I mean, just horrible. And wouldn't you know, it? you know, in COVID with, Everything else, you know, Eldora shut down, everything else around us shut down, except, you know, the, the county that Attica's in, beautiful, bright blue skies, the best weather we've had in years, you know, <laughs> of
5: course. And,
4: and we're limited, limited on ticket sales, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining, because it, it ends up being really good, we had a good car count, and a good night of racing, and nobody got hurt, and, and so I'm not complaining, but I just, I just kind of shook my head thinking, you know, of all times to have such beautiful weather, you know, that, uh, so yeah, I know I, I get picked on a lot about, you know, the forecast and, and I I bring a lot of that on myself cause I, I kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, start looking early or pushing that too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it drives my, I, I can drive myself crazy too. You know, you look too far out and you can be either really disappointed or really up and then it's going to change anyway. So, <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, so so the one Sorry. thing I wanted to hit on before the you know the weather thing, but you mentioned you know how COVID has kind of affected everything. Um, I kind of want to say COVID's been kind of the year for online streaming for sprint car racing. As a promoter, how do you feel about like the you know having the live pay per view? You know, it being an outlaw race, it's going to be on Dirt Vision. You know, you got Flow Racing, all that. How do you get the guy from? Staying home, you know, say he's an hour away from the, from the race. How do you get that guy to come to the race instead of staying home and watching that?
4: It's tough. That's you know, that's a tough one. I, I'm really torn. Um, um, I I got to really be careful here. There, just I'll put it this way: there are some streaming services that don't share the revenue with um, the event, so that that can be really bad um, for the promoter because if the weather's iffy and people stay home and, and watch it online, you know, the promoter doesn't get any of the revenue from, from the live stream. Now, on the other hand, um, a lot of the races that were ran this year. And again, I wrote about this in my sprint car midget column pay-per-view kind of has been the, the saving grace of racing this year now, because you know, where there's no for instance, the world of outlaws, um, uh, at Knoxville, um, what was it called? The return to racing or whatever.
5: Yeah, their yeah. first
4: show. You know, with apps. You know, absolutely no, nobody in the grandstand. Well, you can't pay to to run a World of Outlaws a, a single one day World of Outlaws race. You have to make a hundred thousand dollars to break even to pay the purse, the sanction fee, your advertising, insurance. Uh, you know, all, you know, all the all the expenses. Wow. You have to make a hundred thousand before you before you can make a profit. So I say that because um, obviously, if you're running with no ticket sales, like Knoxville, or well, the World World Racing Group leased the track from Knoxville, so Knoxville really didn't, you know, it was a they didn't have anything to to, to really no gamble for them, I guess, put it that way. But so when when the teams need to race, the drivers need to race, so, you know that. They they're making their living, uh, the drivers are and the crew crew members. So they're sitting around. The owners are trying to pay them, but the drivers usually just on a percentage. And so the world of outlaws are trying to get races to get the teams racing, get the drivers some income. So that's the only income that that they had was for, from the pay per view. So, like I said, in one sense, I I worry about it. I. I think it can hurt the crowds, although a lot of the streaming services and people will, you know, they'll they'll argue totally the opposite opposite. And a good example, I guess, uh Jackson uh the raise tractor in Jacksonville, Illinois, has been giving away uh, been live streaming for free their their weekly shows for years, I guess. And that promoter is convinced that it helps grow the sport, that there's a certain amount of people that probably aren't coming anyway. And so they, they see the track, they see the racing and maybe it'll get them off the couch and to come to buy a ticket. And, and so like for my race, for instance, um, uh, you know, it's, it's on pay-per-view and I worry about if uh, the weather's bad, how many people might stay home. But on the other hand, I've got some really good marketing partners and sponsors that uh, their, their name and their logo is getting seen and heard worldwide because it is on the internet so i can see both sides of it you know if that makes any sense you know I, i'm just like i told you to be honest i'm really torn i don't know uh you know if it's if what it's going to do down the road you know if it's eventually going to hurt hurt the sport or help it. you know uh you know um i'd like to think that uh, again that it's going to help it because it, it brings it like for my race, for instance, I mean, I, every year we get a group of Australians that come in and, and, and a lot we did get a lot of Pennsylvania people, especially when it was down at Lima Land that came in and, and would camp and then go to Eldora. Some California people, but but you've you got to be realistic, too. There, you're, there are certain people that, and demographics that you're not going to get. So if they get to see the race and, and see your sponsor logos and, and hear your sponsors, that's a plus. So, uh, you know, I know, again, I'm. it's a long-winded answer, but I really don't know if it's going to be how it's going to be uh, in the end. But I know it. it's probably been the saving grace for this year with COVID.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a catch-22 to, you know, have it or not have it. But one thing I've always thought is we could take a play out of, like, you know, the NHL, the NFL, NBA, and kind of have a blackout. You know, if right. you're within, you know, 250 miles of the racetrack, you there's technology out there. We we can block that out and not have
5: I agree. people have that access yeah. to
1: the pay per view. I mean, guys they know like enough us to
3: send you. Yeah, they know enough to send you an ad for the local Olive Garden, so yeah, so, they can obviously yeah. geolocate it.
1: So guys like me in Lincoln, Nebraska, it'd be great to be able to watch your race. You know, I'm. Chances are, it's it, like you said, it's on a weekday. I have work on Wednesday. I'm not going to be able yeah. to make it out there, but I still want to support and watch it. So,
4: yep. Yep. And, and and you're right and that's been brought up too I'm glad you brought that that's a good point because uh, you know some people have brought that up you know why not it, you know that's easier than a TV blackout you know with, with streaming you know it's really it'd be a lot easier to to block uh, black it out for uh, you know, a know certain radius and and I kind of wish they would do that um, you know and so I, I don't know uh, you know it, it's 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 a strange world. Uh, I was just talking yeah. to a, well, I was just talking to a TV producer yesterday and, you know, we're all a little worried about the live streaming that, that, uh, you know, it's kind of pushing quote TV aside a little bit. And, uh, you know, so we're all, all of us in the TV business are a little worried about that too. So I'm worried about it from a prom- promoter standpoint, but a little worried about it as a TV guy too, you know, but, um, uh,
3: you know, that's a we, that's we, a good we really point don't know. well we saw that with uh all the layoffs at espn last week the what all the layoffs what? at espn last week was oh, you know yeah. a good indication yeah. of that
4: yeah. yeah yep and uh you know part of that you know COVID or whatever too but yeah definitely the uh you know it's it's a it's a changing world in 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 streaming media and 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 and, and any live event um the, the, the downside and I've screamed about this for years. I, I live in a rural area, but w- when I tell people I live near in Amish country and I mean, I think they think I live, you know, 50 miles from the nearest town or neighbor, you know, and, <laughs> and, I, and it's not that I'm, I'm two miles from the local high school. Um, and I had 1.5 megabit, uh, internet speed forever. Uh, till till this earlier this spring i got bu- jumped to, to 10 and i'm at a whopping 20 20 megabits now so the downside to streaming is that you know you look out i don't know about you guys out in nebraska but you know some of the big farms out there in montana and utah places out in there you know that they don't have high speed streaming to watch live racing or live sporting events where right. you can put a a TV satellite dish anywhere in the world and get TV. So that's where my argument is that hopefully guys like me in the TV business will still survive or have a job because they're just are, are places that the internet uh, is just not strong enough to live stream or watch any live, uh, like I said, any live broadcasting. So, um, and they, you know, there are some satellite internet, but uh, for downloads, um, or for live streaming they don't work I checked into it and told point blank you know by the, the salespeople, don't waste your money because for that it's not that not very good plus I live in some trees couldn't get signal to one of them now I guess um, there's a new Starlink or something that they're talking about you know it's supposed to be high speed you know satellite internet but but see I've got satellite TV and when it storms uh, you know we'll lose it at times so I would assume that you know going to lose internet the same way. Um, mm-hmm. You know if if, uh, if it interferes with with uh, with that with the you know the, the the TV that I have with the with the satellite dish. You know at times we'll lose that. Right. And, yeah.
1: Uh, you got to so you got to assume with, it's going to be the same for the internet.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would assume you know where you know if it's fiber optics, you don't have to worry about that. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I said it's a big big changing a, a lot of questions in that in that part of the of, of the business.
1: Yeah it definitely sounds like it's above our pay grade. Uh and as as yeah. good as the uh the the streaming is I got to say nothing beats the old TNN broadcast. I still go back and watch those ones. And that's kind of how yeah. I was, that's kind of how I was introduced to you. I I'm kind of young so to speak, when it comes to sprint car racing, like Brad and Jason, they both know you from your driving days, but I know you from the TNN stuff. So, I mean, nothing beats those TNN broadcasts. I, I, just, I wish we could find a way to, you know, kind of make the streaming like that. That'd be, that'd be, you know, heaven on earth, so to speak.
4: Yeah. I, we had so much fun in those days and, you know, um, you know, it was just, it was big, it felt like it was big time stuff, you know, and, and, uh, especially the early when TNN, you know, was, really got behind the sport and, and really helped promote the world of outlaws. And, and uh, I think we did 18 live races one year and, you know, was traveling almost every weekend and and flying all over and, and uh, doing live TV. And, and it was it, it, it got my heart started. I mean, it, it, I tell people the adrenaline rush from live TV when we open the show and you look into that camera and you know you hear the producer counting down, 10, 9, 8, you know, and you know when you get to – zero you're live to the world it, it'll it'll get your heart pumping and uh that's as close to a adrenaline rush as anything i've ever experienced you know next to driving a race car so it was it was great and those days were you know it was, it was kind of new for, for a lot of people and to see live sprint car racing on quote tv uh it was it was big now you know we had three lives with the world of outlaws this year um you know that uh it was different. It, it was done differently. And again, it's just a changing world, but at least they did some, some live stuff this year again. And that was, that was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely. One, one thing we like here on the podcast is we like stories and one great place to get some old racing stories and, and kind of, you know, get to know Brad Doty a little bit is is from your book, still wide open by Dave Argenbright. Uh, from my understanding it sounds like it's going into uh, reproduction so people can f- actually find the book now cuz i know for the longest time it was it was a hard hard to book to get
4: yeah we did the original one in, in 1999 and then did a reprint in 2011 a uh, uh, limited reprint and then so yeah we uh, dave argerbright decided to do uh, 500 copies so it's a very limited reprint but uh, they're supposed to be available, uh, for shipping on the 25th, uh, of November here. So I'm excited because, you know, a lot of people have asked me and, and I know a lot of people paid dearly on eBay and different places for, for copies. So I'm, I'm hoping that those that, uh, still want, you know, that hopefully there's enough people still out there that want copies that we can, we can sell them. But, uh, you know, my, you know, hope is that we sell quite a few for, for Christmas, but, hopefully the covid thing dies down and and i'd like to get out to some races next year and bring some books along and do do signings at different tracks and and maybe get to to get out and and see some different race tracks again
2: did you get to uh go out to race tracks this year or was it due to covid you kind of stayed close to home uh
4: well with everything around me pretty much was shut down i did go to Wayne County uh the outlaw show at Wayne County and um let's see uh, not a lot I mean uh-huh. I, you know but I, I I definitely watched now we here goes back to the streaming I mean you know I've watched a ton of races on on the live streaming and and uh so um but you know again my hope is that next year that things get back to normal and and I'll you know get get to more and and um uh, I love going to Lernerville. It's three hours from me and you know, that's why I won the championship there in nineteen eighty there and at Tri City uh, Speedway and that kinda kicked things wide open for me to to meet Sam Bowers and go on the World of Outlaws tour as a rookie in nineteen eighty two. So I love getting to Lernerville and I haven't been uh actually I didn't go even last year for different reasons and always seemed like I was busy when the Outlaws were over there. So I've missed two two years now. Of of uh, not being at Lernerville. And I just love going over and seeing some of my old fans and friends from that area. Cause I, you know, we lived over there for a couple of years. And so uh, I hope to get to more races next year.
3: Talk to us about kind of those early days with the world outlaws. You know, I, I think uh, like, you know, some of the people that listen to us, you know, were, they didn't quite, you know, they hear the names of Kinzer and Swindell and Wolfgang, they still see him or they saw, you know, tail ends of the career, like Sammy's still running. What was it like back in those days? I mean, it was, you know, with the fledgling series, you were joining on in its uh, early days and then kind of got into that. I guess I'll call it maybe like a first golden age, you know, when big name sponsors were starting to show up, TV was starting to show up. I kind of take us through that, you know, when, when that was like for for a driver who had, uh, you know, come off with a lot of success and then coming into the world of outlaws. You
4: know, well, I was rookie of the year in 1982. So that was the fourth year of the world of outlaws existence. And so obviously it was really young and, and, and I kind of get a kick out of people getting kind of wound up that, you know, the world of outlaws only had, um, 12, you know, have 12 followers or, you know, full-time followers. And it's the end of the world. And, you know, I remember the days when there were five or six of us that were the only ones that made every race, you know, and, and, uh, and it, you know, survived and thrive you know, and thrived. So, um, you know, that doesn't worry me, but the, I look back at pictures. I mean, I had with the Bowers Cole team, it was, it was a pretty good team. I mean, it, it you know, like I said, enough to run the full world of outlaws. And by mid season, I mean, our cars looked like they were four years old, you know, by the today standards, you know, we just didn't have the money and didn't take the time to keep them looking like the, the, the teams of today, even the lo- on the local level, it seems like the teams with vinyl graphics and stuff, it's a lot easier to keep them looking nice. So we went from, you know, maybe skipping the car wash to get an extra hours or two of sleep, you know, and just get to the next racetrack and knock the mud off and go racing, you know. <laughs> where, you know, <laughs> so that that's changed. They they keep the cars cleaner and better looking, and and uh, you know, as you said, it kind of evolved and it was growing and i got hurt i didn't run he said i was rookie of the year in 82 and i ran on and off for about i think a total four and a half years but 1988 when i got hurt and uh ran second to steve in the championship in 1987 and we had cores light uh, sponsorship in 1986 and 87 and then you know after that some things started um uh really picking up and then then the tv i mean obviously that 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 was a good example of how TV really helped the teams and the sport, you know, the quick 50 series. That's how I got involved in TV. Uh, the winner, they ran in Phoenix, uh, I think Back 10 weekends in a row.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. Manzanita's first year in Canyon the next year. And that was all live TV. Uh, I believe it was on what, Sunday night. No, I mean, I was yeah. part of it and I can't remember, but, um, yeah. you know, and, and so, it, we had a captive audience, you know, in, You know, winter everywhere in the country. And some people were snowed in. And, and so our, our audiences were, were huge in those days. And, and teams, you know, Pennsylvania, Fred Raymer went out, you know, a lot of teams from all over the country went out and, and literally, you know, left the rigs out there. Sometimes the drivers would fly back and forth or even the team members at times. But, so it was really, a, a, like you said, the golden age of, of, of seeing, uh, live TV and cars getting sponsors. And, and, and a few years after that is when you know, TNN kicked in and, 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 you know, most of the outlaw teams had major corporate sponsors and, and, uh, yeah. And, and not that, not that it's, um, obviously there's some corporate sponsors out there now, but you know, it's, you know, Every team, you can never have enough sponsors, I guess, uh, to, to be politically correct. I don't want to say we don't have as many or don't have enough, but you can, I guess you can never have enough you know, sponsors on team, on your team or any team as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think um, the sport, the way it survived this year and, and, and the attention that it got this year at the World of Outlaws level and, and a lot of that filters down, to uh, people um, that may have you know, seen it online for the first time, and, and might go out to the local track, you know, and, and see, see racing because they watched it. So, I, I'm optimistic. I, I'm, I've always tried to be a guy glass half full, you know, and uh, that, that you know, getting through this year and and uh, you know, the Outlaws getting 54 some races out of the 80 or 90 they had scheduled. I mean, it's it still still salvaged something and, and the teams got the race and they crowned the champion. And it was all in all, it was a good, good season.
1: Yeah, definitely. You mentioned earlier that the, uh, the reprint of your book comes out or ready to ship on the 25th. Uh, Brad has a copy of it here, uh, with, with him. Um, For a guy like me who doesn't have a copy of it and wants to put that on my Christmas list, where can I tell my wife we can, we can pick that up? Is that like, you know, on (laughs) on an Amazon thing, or do we have to go to a certain website or I know the the Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum has select copies, you know, throughout time, but if it's in stock, it's another question.
4: Yeah, well, that's a good, uh, good question. Thanks for asking it. Uh, Dave com is, is, the best place, the the Hall of Fame. I'm sure will have copies eventually, um, but uh, again, it's Dave Argerbright. And if not, I can spell it out, but if you just want to, people Google uh, Dave Argerbright books or something, it'll pop up. It's, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sure uh, Sprint car
1: fans better to know who Dave Argerbright is. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, if, if, if yeah, if they're interested in my book, they probably do do know who Dave is. But if they don't, um, you know that's that's after Google his name and then go from there to to find his website and they they can order all his books. Uh, you know, his, the the first one we did of my book, 1999 was the first book that Dave had ever written. And I teach him to this day that I taught him how to write books, you know, and and obviously that's a big joke uh, because I'm, I write a column, but I'm not a writer. (laughs) Dave is, Dave is a writer and he, you know, he was, he was good from the first one and he's done, you know, seven or eight or nine books since then, you know, from, uh, Chris Economaki and Earl Baldus, Jimmy Sills. I mean, you know, Jack Hewitt, I mean, it goes on and on, Doug Wolfgang. So, uh, he's got a lot of books out there that if you're interested in, 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 racing and short track racing, particularly sprint car racing, they've got you covered.
2: Yeah. I got the 99 version and I got you and Dave both autographed the inside of it. And, uh, I got to admit, I read it in 99, and I'm going to have to reread it again to um, to remember some of the stories. But if I'm not mistaken, I remember one story where you were driving down the highway, and you I think it was you got fired from your ride, and you got another ride, and you're driving down the road, and then here comes Jack Hodenschild in the car. In the truck that you just got fired from. So he took over your ride after, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's one of the stories in there. But uh, yeah, there's yep. a lot of stories like that. So it's kind of fun to go back and, and read all those days. And you're not in this fancy toter home and the air conditioning and everything. You're in a probably a dually pickup with no air conditioning trucking down the road.
4: Yeah, we definitely, uh, you know, like I said, Bowers Cole was one of the top teams. And we had a, a brand new crew cab dually. And it did have air, but it was a, a 454. Gas engine that that portal and it was pulling a uh probably a 28 foot enclosed trailer, but you know, loaded and I mean, flat on the mat all the time to run 55, 60 miles an hour <laughs> and and four miles to the gallon. And and uh, I don't know how the car owner afforded the, the gasoline, uh-huh. not to mention, you know, to keep, but yeah, it was definitely a different, a different time. But um, uh, yeah, that's uh, know yeah, that was uh. Jack and I grew up together and we're, we're good friends. And, and uh, you know, he, I, I kind of, he knew I wasn't happy where I was at with the Marks and Kepler team. And when I quit, uh, he got in it. And then, of course, there was nothing else available except the ride that he got out of. So I got in the car that he, so we kind of swapped rides.
2: <laughs> and there was some,
4: there was some heavy competition between the two of us for quite a while over that, I, I, I will admit. But when you mentioned the 99, version you know again that's the first the first book and then in 2001 we actually added uh uh, i believe four more chapters and uh um we did a special edition book at that time too limited edition that had like 40 some photos that that neither the first nor the the second one had but so the the latest edition um is a reprint from the 2011 and it's uh um a different cover and it does have extra chapters and a and lot extra photos that the, that first edition that you have uh, doesn't have. So if people want to know what the difference is, if they would happen to find an, the original version online, the, the second version and, and this one we're coming out again as a reprint does have more chapters and, and more photos. See,
2: see now, just like racing, you're changing the, the rules and so now it's going to cost me more money.
4: Yeah, you need to update. See? You need to get the, the fastest, and better. you need to get a better motor. Right. And, you know, get get you some better tires. You got, yeah, I got to upgrade your book and get, get the latest book.
1: Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Brad's going to upgrade the book because he wants to see at the uh, the story of the time when he met you is actually going to be in that book. <laughs> and I, and I, I I will let I will let him tell that story because he, he's told it here a couple of times, and it's something I know he wanted to tell you. So.
2: Yeah. Okay. When I called you earlier today, I kind of touched on a little bit, but uh, you were at uh, Sunset Speedway in Omaha, Nebraska, with the World of Outlaws and the Bowers Cole Twenty Eight D, and and I honestly, I think Doug Wolfgang won that race, but I'm not exactly sure. But uh, I thought it was so cool that there was a driver out there that had your first name was the same as my first name. So when I was about it was probably eight or ten years old. Um, my dad and we were walking in the pits after the races, and I walk into your trailer, and it was like I owned the place. I walked in there, and, and I said, "You're Brad, right?" And, I, and you said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, my name's Brad too." And then, then you just—I I probably asked you a dozen dumb questions, and you were nice and polite, and you just answered them and smiled the whole time and i left thinking man this guy's pretty cool he he talked to me like like we were friends and and ever since that day i was a friend a fan of yours and bought numerous t-shirts and heck if you look at my closet i probably have three of them up there right now but uh, that's that was my Aww. first experience with you and and you were so polite and and uh, you could have finished second or finished 30th I I'd have no idea but uh, you were really nice to me that day and and just those little things your first impressions uh, last last a long time and so uh, I really appreciate you on that day and I uh, I was a fan ever since
4: oh well, that's that's great to hear and uh, you know number one it's, uh, it's really good to hear because the fans are everything number two you're making me really feel old though but uh, <laughs> other than that but but you know when we talked about earlier you know Lincoln Nebraska and and the history out there. And, you know, I was a huge Dan Opperman fan as a, as a young teenager. And, and a matter of fact, uh, uh, you know, I talk about it in the book too, is I, you know, J- Jan used to put a smiley face in the O of Opperman. Yeah. And I always thought if I ever get good enough that somebody wants my autograph, I'm going to put a smiley face in the D of Doty. So that's, I, and I actually corresponded with his mom and dad. Uh, and I've got a nice return letter from them, uh, you know I told him that basically I quote borrowed the, the you know, his, his signature and, and used the smiley face in the D and I was such a big fan. and they wrote me back and said, Jan really appreciates that, you know and, and uh, that, I mean it, that was that was big to me, but I still remember as a young you 13 know, year old just being so in awe of that guy that, that although I got his autograph and talked to him briefly, a couple of times it still took me uh, standing there and getting enough nerve to go up to him, you know, because he was such a hero of mine. And so I I don't know if that influenced me. Um, I just, I just know how important, um, that was for, for me. And so to, and, and kids, I mean, I, I love when kids, I mean, that's, that's the future of our sport too. So when you or any of the kids come into the teams. um, you know if they get to sit in a race car or like said interact with the driver, hopefully that's a memory they'll never
2: forget yeah absolutely My autograph does have a smiley face in it, so uh you're spot on there, so yeah.
3: I've got a world of outlaws program sitting downstairs and uh, it's got it's got the smiley face in it.
1: <laughs> and i and I just picked up a uh, earlier this year at Eagle Raceway, I picked up a uh, one of the die casts of the the twenty eight d car and it has a smiley face autograph on it too. <laughs>
2: oh wow okay yep. yep okay kind of a change of direction we're probably about ready to let you go this has been longer than 20 minutes like i told you we were going <laughs> to be but uh, i got one question for you this is kind of going to put you on the spot but uh, hopefully not not too embarrassing or anything but i just turned 55 and my wife told me for my 55th birthday she's going to let me pick a race to go to next year if COVID all works out um so She's going to buy the plane tickets, the hotels, and everything. So, you I need a have a wife you, like that. You have one race to go to, Brad. Which race do you go to? Well, that's a no brainer. It's the Brad Doty
4: Classic, July 13th, <laughs> yeah. at, Attica, at Attica Raceway Park. Good call. You good know? call. Exactly. You know, give me a chance to promote a little bit. It is July 13th, Tuesday, July 13th of next year. Now, you can if you do come out, you know, you, you can stick around. And go to that. I call it the, the support division down the road at Eldora. They run. They run four, four nights after us too. You know, so you can you can catch some more races besides ours if you do come out to Ohio that week. But uh, uh, yeah, that, that that's, that's <laughs> well, to, me, to me a no brainer. But uh, well played, you know, well played.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my my yeah. top three right now. My top three tracks that I want to go to is Eldora, um, Port Royal, and then Tulare and, and California for the trophy cup, so you're in the running yeah. there.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Williams Grove, you know, just because of the history. If you get a chance, you know, go out to Pennsylvania. Um, you know, and and uh, I always enjoy the California tracks and and the people out there myself. But um, you know, yeah. There's oh my my goodness. There's so many. You know, of course, the, you know, um, Williams Grove. The race, you know, the, the history. Just that that racetrack. There's so many you know, Port Royal and Lincoln and all those tracks back there that you can hit while you're back there too. Same yeah. thing, you know, that you can make a big weekend out of it.
2: I have been to Williams Grove twice. Once I was lucky enough to get dual feature night and Kenny Jacobs won one race. And I can't remember the other. And then the other second time I was there, I watched it rain. So uh, I ate at McDonald's oh, and went back okay. to the hotel, <laughs> but uh Skagit oh, okay. was another track that I absolutely loved. That was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I just got to pick up a new track and my wife said she's paying for everything. So, uh, i to oh figure something out.
1: I'm, I'm sure if he you go he... out, sorry, Brad, I'm sure if you go out to, uh, Attica that, uh, Brad will give you the quick time treatment.
4: <laughs> yeah. It means you're watching from the parking go. lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll save you a parking spot. <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: All right, yeah. Brad. Well, uh, um,
4: well you, I, I, I was just doing a little math. Um, if, if, uh, you had to be a little older than 10 if you're 55 I'm I'm 62 so actually 63 I yeah
2: so um so about how I, old were you when you were driving for Bowers Cole then in 80 that probably in 82 uh, let's see, I would have been like 20 well shoot I was born
4: in 57 so
2: so I, um, I graduated from high school in '84, so I had to be about 16 instead of 12.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: just yeah. like a good fishing well, story, you know, ages get exaggerated a little bit.
4: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't have to tell my age either. I just was <laughs> <enjoying it.
2: laughs> so. Oh, that's that's awesome, but. Uh, well, Brad, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, took a little bit more time than we uh, anticipated, but uh, great time, great stories, and uh, glad you came on, and uh, um, good luck with your, your new book. I uh, you know I'm going to have to get on and buy another one, and uh, and uh, hope uh, hope the best for next year's Doty Classic.
4: Well, thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, appreciate you thinking of me, and uh, enjoyed talking to you. So, uh, you guys, stay safe safe and healthy and, and ha- happy holidays, everybody.
1: All right. You yeah, do. Th- you do the same. Thanks a lot, Brad. Thank-
2: all right, man. That, that was a good interview. How that, cool was that? That, that was just, awesome. He was, he was good. Uh, it just, Brad's always a good speaker on this. Everybody, I stutter all the time and I know I do. And it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. No, I stumble over and, words all the time on this. And, mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a seasoned veteran. He's so smooth with it and everything, but yeah. Um, we wanted to hear more stories from yesteryear, but uh, you're going to have to get his book still wide open to get some of the stories. Or some, it's a great read. I'm not much of a reader, but I think I read that book in like three days when I when I first got it. So uh, I'm going to have to reread it again and then get the new version just to see what else that he has to say about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Any any of Dave's books are are, are great. I mean, Dave is an excellent writer. Yeah. I mean, you can catch his his uh, column in Sprint Car Image along with Brad's as well. So. Anything written by Dave is awesome.
2: I guess I missed – I wanted to ask him about the Ron Pack 4A. I always loved that car, and he drove it for a while there off and on, and that's one car that I always uh, – I, I really enjoyed because it was a usually a blue car. Sometimes it was white, but uh, – Before my time. Yeah. It was a Ron four Pack 4 Aces. Ron Pack 4 <laughs> Aces, yep. It was a beautiful car, but uh, maybe next time.
1: All right, guys. Well, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back and kind of wrap up the program. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. All right, guys welcome back to quick time uh got some breaking news here uh i got a text from a good friend of mine uh regarding the chili bowl it looks like there's only, they're going to limit the uh the uh, capacity each night to 6900 people and only like 750 uh public pit passes are going to be available so uh we're gonna see how that goes i know they were i, I want to say it was 25 percent of capacity it yeah. was what they were saying uh we're gonna see if i see how things play out if i'm actually gonna make the trip down there this year or not i'm hoping hoping i don't have to but we're, 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 we're gonna see
2: yeah, they just at five o'clock this afternoon they sent out a an a, a educational email about um, seating and guidelines to entry, face mask wearing, physical distancing, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, if they don't limit the number of entries, which is three hundred plus cars, it'll be interesting to see how they social distance in the in the pit area. I mean, they can do it in the stands, but how are they going to do that in the pit area? So, that's going to be a huge undertaking. That. Uh, Brian Holbert and the rest of the gang are going to have to, they're going to They're going to lose a lot of sleep over this, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's great that they're going to try to make the event a go because it is one of the crown jewel staple events of, of our, our racing season. So, you know, hats off to them. I hope everything goes well. And uh, like I said, hopefully, you know, hopefully things get better and clears up and actually I get, I, I get to make the trip down.
2: Well, thank God for Flow Racing, because we'll get to watch it. And just so you guys know, that there's supposed to be a midget race in Bakersfield tonight, and uh, they had the countdown clock go down, and it hit zero, and they're, they were tilling up the track. So... There's going to be a huge delay in your midget race tonight from the USAC midgets at uh, Bakersfield, California. That just means
1: I get to go home, and wrap this up, edit it, and be able to watch some racing.
2: <laughs>
3: USAC yeah. after dark.
2: That just sucks that they, they're... Is that anything they're, like they're, Twitter after
1: dark? They're talking to Kyle Larson <laughs> right now.
2: It kind of sucks that they're supposed to be racing and they're they're reworking the track. Speaking right
1: of there. Kyle Larson, I don't know if you, you guys seen this, and I, I don't follow NASCAR a whole hell of a lot, but... Uh, I was scrolling through YouTube the other day and some NASCAR channel came up. and I guess uh, Tony Stewart wanted Kyle Larson to come on and join TSR yep. and whatnot, but Ford kind of nixed that Ford thing. Ford wouldn't so
2: go with it, yep. I'm
1: thinking I need to sell all my Fords now.
2: <laughs> yeah, he just bought a Mustang. Yeah, that's unfortunate because, uh, man, Tony could, or uh, Kyle could just be amazing in Tony Stewart's equipment. And Tony is the type of guy that I think he could sell Kyle Larson to sponsors and, uh, I'm sure Hendricks can do it too, but I just that would have been cool to see Tony and Kyle and and uh, Kevin Haverek all on the same team. <laughs> did you guys catch that? Yeah, yeah I did catch it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Anyways, no, I mean we were talking about it about uh, where I worked a little bit, and I think Kyle, Kyle's going to do great in a Hendrick Car. I mean, the kid definitely has. I I, I want to say he has a chip on his shoulder. He's yeah. kind of proved that this year in sprint car driving, like a like a pissed off teenager, so yeah. to speak. So. I think he's going to come out and you know kick some ass out in the NASCAR thing. So hopefully hopefully it all works out for him, and uh, five years from now he can be a full-time world outlaw competitor.
2: Well, the sprint car world wants him back in, in sprint cars and stuff. but Not uh, uh, the guys in PA. He <laughs> he wants to be a NASCAR driver, obviously, because that's where the money is, and I, I'm sure he's going to focus 110% on that. He'll race a few sprint car races, it sounds like, but uh, I'm sure he's going to be all in on that NASCAR deal cause, so he can get his – four million dollar house back from north carolina yeah <laughs> from, from from talking to
1: jeremy elliott when we had him on a couple of weeks ago it sounds like you know 20 races is what he's going to get yeah, so and, yeah. and two of those is going to be you know the nationals his prelim night and then you know the feature night and probably two of those you know chili bowls. so we'll, oh we'll see
2: we, we got midgets on the track now so they're packing down uh, kind of a story that broke today on facebook um just I hate to be doom and gloom because I, I, I want us to be positive, and I try to be positive, but, uh, you know, we kind of lost the Nebraska 360 series more than likely. Um, I reached out to a couple of local teams here, and it's um, they both stated it's a little bit too early to determine what the future of 360 racing in Nebraska is at this point, and they're going to get back to me later. But um, the Midwest non-wing sprint car tour, Terry Richards uh, was trying to get that going last year. He had some races at uh, Junction Motor, road, uh, Off-Road Speedway, and Wagner Speedway. And he tried to get it going and tried to build something regular and build up some car accounts and so forth. But, uh, and COVID came and slapped and then that bitch down. On top of trying to start a new series, a new non-wing series in Nebraska, um, that was hard enough, and then COVID hit. And so he just was at a disadvantage in many ways. And so he announced today that uh, – he is folding the Midwest Non-Wing Sprint Car Tour, and uh, there there will not be a non-wing sprint car organization in Nebraska this next year. So, down with the non-wings. Probably down with the three sixties. So um, come to the 305s, buddy. <laughs> they're knocking on my door, but I'm not answering right now. You're you're
1: going to be forced to. It's like a Jehovah's Witness. They're never going to give up.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <What? laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it, it's true. It's the writing's on the wall. So.
3: It's hard to, you know, justify. It's it's kind of hard, and especially, you know, you econ- the economy the way it is, just find three classes of cars here within, you know, a two hour radius. I, you know, Knoxville does what they do, but Knoxville is Knoxville, and it's got some help, you know, from outside and i just don't know what you could do to save 360s around here i my is as, as you've heard before you know my feeling is to start doing your own thing and not worry so much about what ascs does you know do your own thing maybe get together find some ways to knock the cost down but still maintain that 360ishness of uh, you know make it unique but make it your own and and get something together but it's it's tough to do and and like you know you've said there you've got guys there finding you know the 305s and it's Tickling the itch and you know and, and working for him. So,
1: now, yeah, I think
3: there's pressures going both ways. Yeah. yeah,
1: when we were talking to Brad, he he meant earlier we he mentioned that you know a sprint car was a sprint car back in the day. He didn't care if it was three hundred five, three hundred sixty, four hundred ten. You you kind of run, run what you brung, so to speak. If that was to happen today, I mean, would guys do it or would these guys that can't afford a four hundred ten or whatever get get tired of getting their ass kicked by guys you know that have the money to dump into a motor and then they just go race something else?
3: I think the difference is you got tires and wings that hook it up, and so back then I don't think you had the power so we need to or get you those, couldn't hook the power up, yeah, we need yeah. to get
1: those nine inch firestones back
3: <laughs> and d- double diamonds, baby <laughs> and um but that's what I think is the big difference now is uh, you know there's it's just so many different um you know like i said, i, I was always a big fan of keeping the small wings on three sixties, so i'll you know i'll I'll die on that hill, take yeah. them all off. Yeah, and, you know, and because I just thought as soon as you put those big wings on it, because that was when we were running those, you know, it was getting about the time ASCS was starting to take off, and you got guys like Gary Lee Meyer and Gary Wright, and all of a sudden now they got $25,000 at that time, which was a lot of money. You know, Gertie's and West Mars and, and motors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, you know, but you could, you know, then all of a sudden they got big motors and they're starting to hook them up. And I think that's the problem now is that you can hook that up. And I think that's what makes the wingless thing so attractive is it, it starts becoming a little more of a driver thing.
1: I like, I I really like what the war series did. I mean, it's, it's run what you brung, Mm -hmm. but it's wingless. I mean, yeah, some of the tracks, you know, can can be a motor track. So, you know, the guys with the four tents are going to, you know, definitely stick out, but, you guys got, you have guys like, you know, Ryan Kitchen that rolls in there with a the 360 when he first started ra- racing out there. You guys got, have guys out there with a the 305, and they're still competitive. I mean, are they going to win night in and night out? No, but you still have a fighting chance.
3: It's, you know, we're just dealing with so many different variables now and, you know, the technology and um, what fans want, what a racer wants. I think sometimes there's too much input from the racers. You know, I want to do this, and I want this, and this guy wants that. And you always they always keep trying to push this thing into their own, um, you know, into their what makes an advantage for them. And I would just love to see somebody say, no, this is the rules. This is what we're going to run by, and we're going to keep it this way. And, you know, and, and we'll have to roll things back if we need to. But I, I like you said, I, I kind of get back in the run what you brung days. Um, Google run what you brung race. I think it's it. Oh, it's being like Hartford Speedway or something. It is like, it's got like these late models, sprint cars. It's got late model. Like if you go back in the day, they had the big uh, walls of plexiglass on them. Like the old, the old cheater, day, cars. cheater, yeah. days at, yeah. cheater yeah. day type thing. Cheering. Yeah. This guy's got something that is at least 10 foot high strapped to the side of a late model. It's like the whole thing is a plexiglass sideboard, but it was just hilarious. But that said, you'd think the sprint car would win. You'd think the super would win, the late model would win. Nah, it was some street stock and won the damn thing. So, <laughs> you know, I, it, I think
1: I think you know the cheater day thing can be kind of and run, run run thing. It'd be kind of cool to you know have, just have like that that gimmick race. You know, once, did once I the, see
3: somewhere it's coming back?
1: I think Houston's is going to have it a might lot be, of specs, but, yeah. but it got canceled. But something like it, something like this at IED or at Eagle. Yeah. You know, like a just a gimmick race. I think it'd be fun to. I mean, you know, have it pay you know three hundred dollars to win. Who cares? Just go out there have fun. Make it make it just a a fun day at the racetrack with you know no pressures or anything like that and just see what kind of creative stuff you know we can come out there because you know we all know the st- cars are store bought now.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, for the it's, most, it's all part. disposable too. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I don't know. Um, we're in a strange world, strange circumstances. Uh, I just hope that. <laughs> I hope somebody can jump on board and get this 360 going, um, racing going in Nebraska again and it, keep it going. Um, even if we have 12 or 15 cars, we always get cars to come down from South Dakota if they work together in Iowa to come over. Uh, I think we can still put 24, 26 cars on a track and still have a pretty good show. If, But that takes money and that takes organization and all that stuff. So hopefully, hopefully it's not dead. Hopefully it's just uh, – on life support, and we we get a good doctor back and get it going again, yeah, I mean you know, go ahead, Jason,
3: yeah, you know something that you mentioned, I think last week, Brad was or you know another time was I think they the three sixties need kind of a home base, and you know, like they had with Eagle or something like that, where yeah. they have maybe you know six, seven, eight shows that are guaranteed at i eighty, and they could just branch out from there, you know, let them run for like a track championship, give those guys somewhere to kind of be every week and then let them branch out from there. And they, they need a home base, and yeah. I-80 was kind of that, but I'd like to see, you know, if they do this, give them somewhere else that they're gonna run on a more regular basis.
2: Yeah, and on our on, on Twitter last week, I posted something and somebody got on there and said that it'd be cool to see I-80, Knoxville and Jackson have a, a, a series to run 360s, but um, it would be cool. There's no question, in a perfect world, but you can't eliminate Husits out of that that uh, formula. And uh, when do you put all four of those tracks in a race are in a weekend? And n- not a lot of people can travel. And even though we do get a couple of Knoxville cars over here, not very many Knoxville cars come over to I-80 to race on any given night. We'll get uh, four or five, maybe six cars from South Dakota, um, Lee Gross, <laughs> bless his heart, drives down from North Dakota, <laughs> guy, which is man. now in South Dakota, I guess. He lives in Sioux Falls now, I guess, right? No,
1: he lives in, I don't know. He lives yeah. in South Dakota. You know, you know yeah. to
2: find out for sure, you know, you can go back and check out the old episode when we had him on there, he, and he, yeah. he states it. Yeah, he, he's back in South Dakota. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to get at is it's it would be somebody would have to put their neck out on the line to put a lot of money out there for purse money, maybe even travel money. And and put this series together, but uh, more than likely, that's too far fetched to even get it to work out. Uh, yeah, just because it's so much on the line for every one of those tracks, and plus the un- uncertainty of uh, COVID.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned like having a series. I would just love to see a speed week. Yeah, get mm-hmm. five tracks here in Nebraska, Iowa, or whatever, and just have a true kind of a speed week. And once again, it takes money.
2: Yeah. I think it'd be a fun thing to try and see if you had money that you didn't care if you lost it or not. And
1: selfishly, I like that speed week cause, uh, I just gained an extra week of vacation at work. So, you know, how. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. with that, and with that yeah. I think that's going to wrap it up yep. for this edition of quick time. I want to thank for everybody for, uh, sticking with us. Make sure you, uh, like and share the podcast and, you know, leave feedback. We, we love the feedback. We had a couple of guys leave some feedback. So, uh, you know if you like it if you don't like it let us know what we can do better or what we can change and
2: or any guests that you would like to have on the show we're 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 sometimes scrambling for ideas on who we're going to get on the show so if you have somebody that you would like to hear on the show uh, let it, let one of us know and we'll see what we can do
1: yeah definitely so with that everybody we will catch you all on the flip side